get up. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Psych Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Anthony K. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AK Sports Psych. So we have an incredible show for you this week. We're going to be revealing all four picks for our basketball Mount Rushmore. Not just revealing the picks, but the reasons why they were the top four picks of basketball's greatest all-time players. Then, our featured guest, NFL Network's analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland, joins us. And we'll be talking NFL draft, NFL free agency, and picking on a couple of teams specifically, as well as finding out how she's keeping busy during this COVID crisis when she's cooped up at home like the rest of us. Lastly, in spoiler alert, there's a name that's on, or rather not on the list of greatest players, Mount Rushmore players, and we're going to tell you why that player isn't on there and where they should be. So stay tuned for that. So we're going to go through this list of the best basketball players of all time, my Mount Rushmore, and why I selected these four players. And they're in no particular order. And we're going to start with the same order that I've been revealing them. If you've been following us on Instagram and Twitter, I'm going to reveal them in that same order. So the first one is should be or is no surprise or should be no surprise because he is the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, a six-time NBA champion, a two-time finals MVP, six-season MVPs, 19 all-star appearances. He was the rookie of the year. He was the scoring leader two times, rebound champ once. He led the league in blocks four times. And adding to his basketball greatness, he was a three-time NCAA champion and a three-time college player of the year. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did something that has yet to be duplicated. What was that? Create a shot so unstoppable that he could play over 20 seasons and score as well as anyone with the skyhook. He was so proficient with that skyhook, with his right and left hand, that anytime the Lakers or Bucks needed a basket, they just put it into Kareem. And he could score from inside, from outside with that skyhook. And it was literally unstoppable. Almost every other player ever to play basketball, what they did could be, I'll use the term loosely, duplicated, except for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's skyhook. No one has ever been that great. How could he not be on your list when he still leads the league all-time scoring? He has to be a top four player. Add in all those other accolades. Now, some people will argue he wasn't as dominant a player down low as a Will Chamberlain or Shaquille O'Neal. I agree, he wasn't. But what he did do was have a long, successful career that included championships, scoring titles, 
all-star appearances, and obviously scoring. So our first selection to the Mount Rushmore of basketball is Laker great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now we move on to the second player on our list. Now keep in mind, I understand it's very difficult to pick four of the greatest players in the history of the NBA, especially for some who haven't seen every single one of these players play. Each era had a different style of play, a different greatness. So as we go through this list, I've tried to select players who not only were great, but also transcended the game, did something that no one else has ever done, had done something that no one has ever done since, have changed the thoughts, the mentality of the league, of its players. And that's what I think truly makes them great, not just their on-the-court performance and statistics, although those are obviously very important. So the second selection to the Mount Rushmore of basketball, we're going to stay with the LA Lakers. Now, when you can be known by one name, that's a pretty big, big deal. And when you can win five NBA championships, one with another bona fide superstar, excuse me, three with another bona fide superstar, and then two more without a real superstar next to you, that says something. Two finals MVPs, a season MVP, 18 all-star appearances, two-time scoring leader, and two-time Olympic gold medalist. When you look at the numbers and the stats, you say, yep, pretty good, pretty good. But what set Kobe Bryant apart? The Mamba mentality. He created a way of thinking, a work ethic that was unparalleled by anyone. The debate will go on whether Kobe was even the best player on his team for those first three championships, but there was no doubt on the next two. Kobe took his game to new heights and new levels, not just on his athletic ability. He would have been the first one to tell you. It wasn't that. It was his work ethic. Also, when we look at Kobe, we have to think of one of the things that every young basketball player wanted to do in the mid-80s, early 90s. We all wanted to be like Mike. And no one, except for Kobe, ever came close. So between his work ethic his Mamba mentality, as it were, his will to win, which in some cases sounded like it drove other players away from wanting to play with him. But that's what made him so great. He will forever be remembered by one name, Kobe, by one thing, the Mamba mentality. And to not put him on this list of greatest of all time would be a travesty because he worked harder than anybody else and he performed at the highest levels. And even when he should have probably retired after his Achilles injury, he came back. And we will forever remember Kobe, not only for his basketball greatness, 
but how he made us feel. And that's what makes someone one of the four greatest of all time. All right. So now we're going to take a break from the four greatest basketball players of all time, the Mount Rushmore, if you will. And we're going to switch gears to the NFL. We have a special guest, Cynthia Freeland, who's going to talk about NFL free agency, NFL draft. And if you don't know Cynthia, she is the NFL Network's data analytics expert. So using the numbers to predict fantasy points, draft selections, wins by team, scores uh, for each game. So a lot of great insight. But before we shift over to that interview, if I could recap the two players that we've had so far, both Los Angeles Lakers, one, Kobe spending his entire career in LA, but both huge, huge stars in their own right, but also both, you can honestly say without thinking about it, did they do something that will forever be remembered? Did they bring something to the game that no one else has ever done? And the answer for both is a resounding yes. So after our interview with Cynthia Freeland, we'll get to the last two selections. But let's talk some NFL first. Welcome to the Sports Psych Podcast. This is Anthony Kay. And we have a special guest today, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. She is their analytics expert. Cynthia, how are you? I'm doing as well as possible. How about you? Uh, I'm going a little stir crazy, not going to lie, but I'm doing well health-wise, so I can't complain. Um, exactly. That's the only thing that matters at this point. Exactly. So I do want to talk to you about the draft, but I want to start off by actually asking you this, because I'm a bit of a data nerd. I'm not going to lie. However, I'm curious, how did you get into analytics and how did you make the move from an interest, obviously, in analytics and bringing it into football? Yeah, so I was an investment banker and out of college, and I was working in private equity where I told stories with numbers. And then when I went to business school, my after my first year in business school, in order to find what I thought would be the most interesting, the most interesting summer internship possible, I actually cold emailed the CFO of the NFL, who I had connections with because he at that time was Anthony Noto. He was working at Goldman Sachs and prior to becoming the CFO, and he was like head of one of their equity research departments. So I would be familiar with him on you know conference calls and all of the communication that had come out of Goldman Sachs in the division he was in. So he's in like toys and entertainment. So that was how I initially sort of knew he was a really awesome person to work for. I cold emailed him and I interned at the league office. I started as an intern um, in the financial strategy department, which was a natural kind of bridge from investment banking. So that's where I first had a, uh, the opportunity to sit with the competition committee and work on a project, kind of figuring out how do we get the best product possible products being gained. So is it 16 games with four preseason, 17 and three? And we had to go through to make sure each of the kind of dynamics of what was going on in the field was really reflective of, you know, because the best product is a compelling game where the game is close at the end and everyone feels like their team could make it to the playoffs for as long as possible. So that's the best product, right? So I got to sit with the competition committee and I started to 
you know, really understand the, like how it would flow from on the field to money and then money into production and all these different things. So that's where it really started and then evolved from there. So you brought up an interesting point there about the, the amount of games and amount of preseason games. I'm interested on your take with the new CBA and the extra playoff team, the extra game coming from an analytics standpoint, how much does that improve the game? Do you, have you run any analytics on that yet to see uh, how that affects the product? Yeah. I mean, look, anything that keeps, that keeps teams potentially in the hunt longer is better for the sport from the interest standpoint. Obviously specific teams, you know, it's not going to be helpful for a team that's out of it earlier. Right. But like, you know, for example, the NFC West last season, the Rams would have been in, in the new format. So the interesting part about how it, it flows down into how long and how many games people are, you know, going to be competitive for is going to give the season more importance for longer, which, you know, that matters for everything from, you know, the, the, product you're seeing on the field meaning the game all the way to fantasy all there's implications all around for it right like it's just it, i think it's a great move for football overall okay uh I, and listen i am a true believer in more football better for me so i'm i'm definitely happy <laughs> with the move uh so let's let's move uh to the draft so i'm looking at a lot of mock drafts and i'm not just saying this because i got you on the line you're the only one who has my number one pick as your number one pick. So has that changed uh, since, so you have Chase Young obviously going number one to the Bengals where I think everybody else has Joe Burrow. Has that changed uh, since the free agent market ha- now is kind of some of those name, big name QBs have been signed? I mean, there's like, there's still some really big name quarterbacks that have not been signed. I mean, sure. Sam Newton was in a Super Bowl in 2015. Like this is ridiculous. So the interesting part for me on all of this, right is that the people kind of forget there are two ways there's two ways to think about it you can think about your long-term developmental assets and if you're thinking about that the you need to reinforce your if you're going to take a quarterback which is the most valuable position on the field no doubt you need to reinforce his ability to succeed that means get an o-line that works they have a, a less than I'm trying to be nice here. A below <laughs> average goal line at best, right? At, that at is best. not going yeah. right. That's not going to bode well for any quarterback, let alone a rookie quarterback who people I hate to say it, I hate to bring it up because nobody's had a better college football season than Joe Burrow last season, and that is a fact. But look at the season prior. Before he had Joe Brady orchestrating the offense for him. Before he had two wide receivers that by the way, the one that's not draft eligible might even be better than Justin Jefferson, who is. The running backs, amazing. They had all of the weaponry. They had the ideal situation. You want the best thing for anyone, and everyone can agree, whether or not you're an analytics person or not, if you have the right quarterback to execute the scheme, the scheme fits the quarterback, and the weaponry to like, actually make sure that those plays happen, then you have a much better chance of getting 60 touchdowns that is a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm taking nothing away from Joe Burrow. But sure. you see system fit. All of those things matter. All of them. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you because when I yeah. tweeted out that the Bengals should take Chase Young first overall, I got killed um, on social media oh, from, from Bengals fans. So um, I'm sure you're catching some of that too. 
Um, so you know, how? I, I just yeah. as much as I'd like to care about it, I just I can't anymore because it's like read what I wrote. I I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about Joe Burrow. I'm saying that you're trying to win next season, given the fact that you did nothing for your O line in free agency, nothing, nothing right. but at least, right? Right. Then yeah, it doesn't matter who the quarterback happen? is. Yeah, and you no. think AJ Green's happy? Okay, he seems real happy to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think any quarterback can throw from their back, so it makes it kind of difficult. I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, so, again, going through some of the mocks, I'm seeing. So, in, in your mock draft, I think there was only three quarterbacks going in the first round, and I'm looking at some others, and I'm seeing four or five in the top ten and the top twenty. Is this? I, I do think that'll be, happen. I wasn't allowed to make trades. I wasn't allowed to make. Oh, oh, okay, okay. So you 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 you're a firm believer. You think it's going to be five six quarterbacks. We had to come up with a we had to come up with a methodology. So in order to make it from being totally crazy, because when I I wanted to run it in a model that was completely unbiased, so the names that were generated were not anything like I was trying to make it as unbiased as possible. So if we were to allow trades, if you think about it with analytics, you maybe want to trade almost every single position if it didn't match your, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like it didn't match your evaluation and you can't have that many, but I would probably propose 32 trades, right? Like to try to get like the right fit with the right spot. Ridiculous. Listen, I saw a mock draft that had the bears taking a tight end and I thought, what are they going to do with 10? I have no idea, but uh, I guess, <laughs> I guess you got to take that into account as well. Uh, so how, so obviously with COVID, and and everything that's changed in terms of uh, teams' inability to you know have some physicals, have some face-to-face meeting with some of these players, can your analytics model uh, account for that? Or in overall, how does that affect teams uh, looking at some players that maybe have injuries like Tua uh, in their background or some that they may not know about? Look, I'm going to tell you this: the people who do the work, the people who have the teams that 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 the analytics and the scouts and the front office and the coach, it, the people who have a plan, and then by the way, they have the you know plan B and C and D. They have their contingency plans down. They are going to clean up in this draft. The teams who are good are going to get better, and the teams who have no idea what they're doing are going to get worse. It's going to really separate the good drafters from the bad. Even talking to them in, you know, obviously I get a chance, I'm very lucky, I get a chance to talk to many coaches and we, we talk a lot about strategy and sometimes, and because I'm not a reporter, I get a chance to hear some things or do projects that other people, you know, in the media don't get a chance to do. And I sit there and I'm like, you know, this team gets it. And I'm like, oh my God, this team does not. So it's really going to separate the herd. So Quite as much as like, as much as I want to, I'm not going to ask you which are the teams that don't get it. Um, maybe I know, maybe I know. I <laughs> maybe I can try to pick I, your I brain later. But uh, but let me ask if I didn't ask you about this two particular teams, uh, I'd get in a lot of trouble. So my you know if I don't ask you about the Jets, Gary V's going to get on my back. So what are you seeing uh, from the from the Jets? Have you have you gone that far into specific team analytics and, and projections for the season yet, or is that still something that's coming down the road? I have not gone. I mean, obviously I did it for, to create the mock, but I only did, yeah. I literally only did like two rounds in that one because to be perfectly honest with you, like all of the theoretical potentials for taking in, in rounds three through 
seven is just ridiculous. Like that's right. not, you know what I mean? Like it's a big waste of my time. Right. So for ultimately sure. for me, what I've been doing is I've been rating each one of the moves and signings in terms of like the projected performance from a free agent player with what they're paying for. And is as unsexy as the Jets have been because their picks like Brian Poole for 5 million, million, that's a good job. That's a great signing. You know, Brashad, like these are Brashad Perryman rather. That's not a sexy name, but you no. overpay for someone who you're getting at a value that's probably better than Robbie Anderson for less money. So really, they've made really keen. I, I've actually been very impressed so far with what they've been doing. Joe Douglas has a plan. It is not land grab sexy name like last year. You saw Mosley and Bell. It's like all these high priced items. Let's just keep it a little bit, you know, you have to keep it under the cap. You got to surround Sam Darnold. You got to get him in O-line. And they've been signing a bunch of O-line. It seems like they're really trying to focus on that position. I would bet that they're one of the people in the first round. I think there are four really, really good, like, project to be well better than average. So if I kind of use five rankings, elite, above average, average, below average, well below average. Sexy names, I know. But ultimately, there are four O-linemen, tackle specifically, who I think could have the potential to be elite. And I think the Jets will be able to acquire one of them, and then they'll be able to maybe fortify that with one of the more question marks, like later round guys who could be a more developmental prospect. But if you get a nasty left tackle in there, things will be a lot better for Sam Darnold and for Lev Bell. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how how some O linemen help uh, everybody else look a lot better. Um, the next team I wanted to ask, to ask you about because they they did make a trade which didn't cost them much, but the salary that comes along with it has some people scratching their heads um, and some other signings. So how did the Bears rank when you looked at their signings? Bears are an interesting one. I I have a hard time with a few. I like the Bears. Let, let me be clear. If I had to rank the coaches who I think are, like, want their players to succeed, I think Matt Nagy might be the most misunderstood because nobody wanted Mitchell Trubisky to, to succeed more than Matt Nagy, and not for his own sake, but because he, like, this man, when you get a chance to talk to him, he's, you know, he's, he, he'll be like, hey, you want an ice cream sundae? He's like, like he's just kind and like wants, he wants everyone to do their best. So he's, maybe his press conferences didn't always make that come across, but mm-hmm. he genuinely wants his players to succeed. So I think some of their signings are, I don't like their, I don't like the Jimmy Graham signing one bit. I think it's redundant at best. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel. I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. I do think Nick Foles is good. They have familiarity, team familiarity, and personnel familiarity with Foles. And obviously, looks like that was a good, I think that was probably good. They didn't overpay for a situation that would be confusing. For, you know, it is the way that it comes across. You have to remember the way that it was reported. I know a little more about this contract than others. The way it was reported seemed like, Nick Foles just like got a windfall of money. It's conversions into different. It's a like it's not as it's it's a tricky way of doing it, but it's it's actually more team friendly than it might originally. Okay, because on the surface I, it seems it seems bad from that standpoint, but it's not as it's not as bad as it looks. Well, you have to remember, like you have to you have to spend like it's like when do you have you know what they're they're paying for you know 
Khalil Mack. That's pretty expensive. You right. don't know what you've got at quarterback right now. So you have to, so if you convert some of what was owed into a signing bonus, it counts X against the cat. Like just, it's a lot. It would like, it could take up the whole podcast. It's like explaining how that works, but it doesn't. Maybe we'll save that for the next as, one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the, the takeaway is it's not as unfriendly to the team as it might seem. How about that? Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. It just, when you look at, when you look at some of the other names, uh, you know, the Andy Dalton's, the Cam Newton's, the Jameis Winston's that are out there, it, it made some people scratch their heads. Um, so the last, this is, so the last, part I'm going to ask is based on those on the signings is there a team I know you, you spoke highly about the Jets but is there a team that you think so far has really kind of taken the lead or really made the most out of their free agent signings <laughs> I think the Arizona Cardinals have and not well, just because of DeAndre Hopkins I think well not I mean look that was that, that was helps masterful. yeah yeah that helps a ton but I think the Arizona Cardinals they're, the way they've, I mean, they've upgraded their defense, they've, which they absolutely needed to. Remember, the best performing teams have the right blend of average and above average players that they're paying at the right premium. And then you can afford the DeAndre Hopkins, especially when you have the Kyler Murray, who's on the rookie deal, right? So you yeah. have you have the pieces. If they can fix their O-line, which, again, they're in position to, I believe they're drafting eight, right? Like, so if they – Get that O line some help, and you are yeah. like that is like a, NFC West and AF and NFC South. Those are loaded conferences, loaded. Like those, like anyone could win. Those are the who I think will be the biggest beneficiaries in the new playoff rule to kind of bring it back to where we started. Yeah. So I'm going to end with this, and it has maybe nothing to do with football, depending on your answer. So when you're not doing working on the NFL Network, working on your analytics. What do you do outside to, you know, now that you have, I'm assuming, some time on your hands being cooped up in, in the house? Um, <laughs> yeah. How are you spending your time? So lately, and uh, well, I don't know when this goes out, but whatever, sneak peek on here. <laughs> I've been, so I've been noticing that a lot of my friends and a lot of my friends who have kids, they, their kids are out of school and they aren't, and they're, you know, trying to homeschool the best they can. And math has been something that they're not loving having to teach and not like, you know, it's been, it's been kind of a pain point. Right. So I have been coming up with like a football math program. So I'm going to start doing in two weeks. So not this Monday, but the 13th, Monday, the 13th, I'm going to start doing some math zoom, some zoom classes on math so that, you know, me and some kids can hang out and use football examples and maybe, just maybe, get a few people to come after my job, you know, in, a, in several years when I'm old and can just sit down and be like, look, we once did a Zoom class together. So <laughs> I've been trying well, to do some math class, which is very nerdy. But Well, if, I, if you're do, hey, if you're doing, I'm, I'm, I'm in that boat. I have six-year-old twins, a boy and a girl, and we're trying to homeschool them the best we can. Uh, if you want to teach any math to them, you let me know, because uh, I am having a yeah. heck of a time. <laughs> Um, getting that yeah, done, so. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, so I'm, I've been trying to, uh, I'm in try, like I'm putting together. So we're just basically gonna like, like we're gonna talk about some concepts. It's gonna be 45 minutes long. It's gonna be at four o'clock Eastern. It's gonna be one o'clock Pacific, and it's just gonna be like 45 minutes. And I've got all these word problems and these like downloadable worksheets. Or if you don't have a 
printer or whatever. You can do it on a second screen. And I've basically just football players that have helped me out by reading some word problems I made up. And we're going to talk through how to figure them out. It's like super easy topics. The first week is like mean, median, and mode. And that's, that's it. Then we'll go so, to be, so, so to be clear, so to be clear, on your time away from doing math and analytics, you're going to do some math. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm really on brand here. Keeping it on brand. I just, I just feel like if I gotta help out. Like I'm, I, you know, I feel like lucky that I like really like using math, and I don't know if there's a lot of me out there who likes to do that. So, <laughs> so you know, might as well help out, right? Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic, and it helps when you know all of us can use it. So, so thank you for that. Um, thank you for joining us on the Sports Psych Podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, and Thank you so much can, for having me. And hopefully we can do this again soon. You got it. What a great interview uh, with Cynthia Freeland. Now, we've discussed about doing our second interview, and I'm going to warn you, it has to do with tone-deaf karaoke. So be forewarned. Moving back to basketball now, the next selection in our Mount Rushmore four greatest players of all time, was tough. The reason it was so tough is I had two players that I could not, like, I mean, could not decide one or the other. But then I took a look at what's important about basketball. It's a team game. It's about winning, and it's about winning championships. So by a hair, I had to pick someone who has 11 NBA championships, five season MVPs, 12 all-star appearances, four-time rebound leader, an Olympic gold medal, and two NCAA championships. Remember, it's greatest basketball player of all time. So although Wilt Chamberlain was really close on my list. Bill Russell gets the nod for our third selection in greatest basketball player of all time. Bill was one of the greatest defensive players ever. He was the first player in NBA history to record 20 rebounds a game. And he did that 10 times in his 13-year career. He also won 11 championships in his 13-year career. That's like 80-something percent of the time he was winning championships. And now the knock against Russell is obviously he wasn't a great offensive player. And when we watch basketball, we want to see guys like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Kobe Bryant, the first two picks, who could score at will. But there's more to the game than just scoring. Bill was one of the greatest teammates ever in the history of basketball. He did what the team needed to do to win. One of the other arguments against Bill Russell, he had a great team, he had a great coach. However, when Bill missed games, the Celtics didn't win, even with those players. They never made it to the finals before he got there. They had a losing record when he left. And in fact, during his career, he missed four games due to an injury. The team went 0-4. The next time he missed, he missed five games. The team went 0-5. I know that's a small sample size, 
but it does show something. When he wasn't there, they didn't win. So was it his rebounding? Was he the glue? He obviously was very clutch when needed to be. And that's what made him great. That's why he's on the list. When we compare great players, we always look at a few things. Obviously, it's statistics. But when it's so close, and I get that team plays into it, but you still have to look at championships. Now, don't get me wrong. A player who wins a championship is not better than a player who didn't win one. I'll use a current case in point. Draymond Green is not better than Charles Barkley because he has a couple of championships. That's just not the case. Nick Foles is not a better quarterback than Dan Marino because he has a Super Bowl ring. No, no, no. That's not how this works, guys. The way it works is when it's super close, like a Wilt Chamberlain and a Bill Russell, you give the nod to the guy who has 11 over two. That's what I mean. So Bill Russell, our third selection for the Mount Rushmore greatest basketball players of all time. I got to tell you, putting this list together was so hard. I went through and wrote down my list of four and then scratched them out and wrote them again and did some more research and scratched some out and wrote them again. There are so many great, great players that deserve to be on this list that really, I don't even know that I, that it's fair to have a Mount Rushmore. In fact, I contemplated doing a Mount Rushmore for each position, even though we've kind of shifted away from traditional positions in the NBA. But to recap, the first one we revealed was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the all-time scoring leader. The second was Kobe Bryant and his Mamba mentality. The third one, the one whose finals MVP award is named after and has 11 championships to his name, was Bill Russell. For the last one, I got to tell you that Again, I had some difficulty deciding, as I did with all of these. Also, I probably, if you've seen our tweets, have said a million times, I don't think active players should be allowed to be on all-time lists because their career isn't over yet, and some of the story still hasn't been written. However... I gotta put him on the list. I gotta put his face up on that mountain because what he has done, what he has meant to the game, what he's still doing had it not been for this coronavirus, what he was still doing this year is phenomenal. Three NBA championships doesn't do him justice because he's been to the finals so many times. A three-time finals MVP. Every time they win, he gets the MVP. He was the season MVP four-time. A 16-time All-Star. The Rookie of the Year. He was a scoring leader. He has two Olympic golds and one bronze. But more importantly, much like Kobe, came out of high school, but unlike Kobe, with huge expectations. It seems that if you were a fan of LeBron James, everything he did was right. But if you weren't, and I got to tell you, I wasn't. Everything he did 
was wrong. But he did win me over. I didn't like the move from Cleveland to Miami. I didn't like the move from Miami back to Cleveland. However, he did what he wanted to do. It worked out for him. He won championships in Miami. He brought a championship to Cleveland. He is maybe one of the most phenomenal athletes in any sport. Just the size, the speed, the power, the ability to adjust and change his game. And yet, one of the knocks, but yet one of the great things about him as a player is he keeps being compared to one, but really he should be compared to another, is that his unselfishness, his ability and willingness to pass to teammates and create for others truly makes him stand out above the rest. So LeBron James is our fourth and final member of the Mount Rushmore of basketball greats. So that was another amazing episode, if you ask me, of the Sports Psych Podcast. But before we let you go, we obviously have to do our weekly segment called Spoiler Alert. So this time it's going to be a little bit different because you're all scratching your heads and you're saying, Anthony, um, didn't you miss someone on the Mount Rushmore of basketball? No, I don't think I did. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the greatest scorer. Bill Russell, maybe the best defensively. Kobe Bryant, the hardest working competitor. And LeBron James, all around dominant force. But one player combines LeBron's ability, Kobe's mentality, Russell's defense, and Jabbar's scoring. Six-time NBA champion, six for six, no losses, six finals MVPs, five season MVPs, and probably should have had a couple more, 14-time All-Star, even though he took two years off to play baseball. He was the Rookie of the Year. He also, unlike everybody else on that list, was also the Defensive Player of the Year, scoring leader 10 times, 10 times. Kareem, who led the, who leads the league in all-time scoring, was only the scoring leader twice. Ten-time scoring leader. He was told that a scorer doesn't win championships. He was also the steals leader three times. I think people underestimate his defense. Olympic golds, two for two. One coming out of college, one as a pro. NCAA champ and college basketball player of the year. Michael Jordan does everything that these other four do. He does everything that make these other four great. So you ask, so why didn't I put him on Mount Rushmore? Well, because he deserves better. He deserves more. He deserves to be looking down from the heavens at Mount Rushmore. And that's where I'm putting Michael Jordan. So in spoiler alert... Here's your spoiler alert. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, head and shoulders above the rest. So that's the end of Season 2, Episode 16 of the Sports Psych Podcast. Please remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AK Sport Psych, like Anthony K, Sport 
Psych. Um, also, subscribe to the Sports Psych podcast. And please don't forget to send in your comments and questions. We will respond to each and every one. Take care, everybody. Thank you.